Desiree Berg, and welcome to the 34th. What's fun is that when you have a governor and an attorney general who campaign on justice for Flint, promise to open the water pod so we can have people have access to clean, safe water because it's not that way yet, and it won't be until all the pipes are replaced. Um, then to turn around after you get elected, you know, to stand next to us and use us and text us and talk to us and ask for our help and ask for us to stand with you, then to turn around, no longer speak to you, and then say, no more funding for Flint. That's enough. The uh, $389 million that was allotted for Flint, which, by the way, most of it went back to state programs. So the state just cycling the money through, which, of course, non, not really any of those um, programs are what we asked for. That is another big, huge problem. We should be the ones that define justice and what recovery looks like to us. But no one will listen to us. People from the outside, people who have not been touched by this, people who are in charge and who caused this are the ones that are defining what justice should look like to us. Who do you think you are? While people sitting in jail is not going to make my water safe, it's going to let me know that it's not okay to poison poor people, to poison the residents of Flint, Michigan, and get away with it and walk away. But instead, instead of carrying on what Todd Flood and his team had built for three years with, with people going to trial for manslaughter, hooray, a little bit of justice saying it's not okay to poison and kill off Flint residents. It's not okay to do that if you're in office, if you're a, a state official, that's not okay. For the attorney general who straight out campaign saying that, you know, justice for Flint, I'm going to get justice for Flint, and then poof, drops all the charges without telling us. I found out from a New York Times reporter and saying that we don't want to hear what you have to say, yelling at me when I asked questions. I mean, and it's been nonstop silence and them putting their fist away or their hand away like this saying, no, we'll tell you what justice looks like, which apparently means like to them is nothing for us to shut up and go die quietly. And honestly, I think all of this is to keep this out of the news so that way it can look like Michigan's doing well. We're not. And so certain people can rise up the ranks in the political, well, you know, I mean, Governor Whitner just co-chair of Biden's campaign. So somebody should probably rethink that because guess what? We're not okay. We have no justice, no charges pending. The statute of limitations coming up next month with the, upon the six-year anniversary of guess what? These people are getting away with it, keeping their six-figure job and benefits while we're over here still suffering and dying in Flint. Cool. So you're saying if I poison somebody, I'm going to jail. That's bad. But you can poison 100,000 people and keep doing it and keep lying to us, and that's okay. We were in the Michigan Supreme Court where the Attorney General's office is still fighting our damages claims. The that would give us money to not be rich, but to actually repair our homes, make it safe to live in our homes, or to move if that's what we so choose, because that should be our choice, not somebody else. So today on the show, we're speaking with Jordan and Jen from Status Coup because they've been breaking some very serious news in regards to Flint, Michigan and the ongoing water crisis there. Welcome, Jordan and Jen. Hey, thanks hey for there. having us on. Absolutely. So really, a bombshell article that you had, uh, you had done with Vice Magazine came out last week. And one of the things that made, was made really crystal clear by this was that the Governor Snyder knew about the water problem long before uh, he, he purported, he said to, during his testimony to Congress. So walk us through a little bit of the Vice story and how you came across um, this information. Yeah, so we were in Flint, uh, I think in October of last year. And it's one of those things, I'm sure you have dealt with this, where you're kind of focusing on one thing and then a bomb, a bomb falls in your lap on another thing. 
So we were looking into kind of the financial end of uh, some financial deals that led to the Flint water switch and uh, sources that we had built over time uh, we, that we dealt with uh, gave us some information. And that information made it very clear that Governor Snyder's um, top officials, so his chief of staff, his state, his treasurer, mm-hmm. uh, and his right-hand man, kind of uh, cha- being charitable, his his fixer, uh, yeah. some have called him. Henchman. His, his that henchman. is quite charitable. Uh, he was, they were all secretly subpoenaed, so it wasn't public. So we broke that they were subpoenaed. Uh, we obtained the documents, which were part of the criminal investigation. Um, and from there, it was just kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. You have these transcripts, hundreds of pages, which gets you, you know, it's like kind of like, break, you know, bombshell after bombshell, seeing certain lies under oath. And that kind of got us to uh, broaden it out and, and build up sources. So we found out that uh, Governor Snyder, two major things. Number one, he was briefed uh, in person uh, a year before the water was even switched. So he was briefed uh, by the environmental director of, of Michigan, as well as the treasurer, uh, that they were actually using the Flint River uh, for, as a water source uh, for drinking water. There could be bacterial risks right. to, to Flint residents, which there ended up being a deadly disease. Right. Uh, and there could also be carcinogens uh, in the water, which are cancer-causing TTHMs. So I can't speak to Snyder's mind, but he was warned and allowed it to go on a year later. And then we found out that uh, he had told Congress that he found out about the deadly Legionella outbreak uh, in January 2016. And I held a press conference the next day. Uh, his One of his own officials actually testified that he told him a month before Snyder testified. So we already knew Snyder lied, uh, uh, give or take a month. What we found out was he actually learned about it in October 2014, which is six months after the water switch, a couple of weeks before his reelection, by the way and uh, 16 months before he testified to Congress. So in your mind, do you think his reason for trying to cover this up was the reelection campaign, that he was fearful if that actual truth came out that he would not get reelected? Or do you think there's a more nefarious uh, motivation at play? What do you think, Jen? It's hard to say. It's hard to speculate. I think that the timing is very suspicious. Here you have this this guy who wants to be reelected, and he has very clear motivation to not come forward and talk about that the water crisis is worse than they expected. So I don't know. We don't have information like in his mind. We can't get in his mind, but it really, really looks that way. Yeah. Now, the optics Uh, are bad. We should also say that there's reporting that he, around the same time or soon after, he was angling to run for president. This was yes. this was pre-Donald Trump. So right. Trump wasn't, I mean, people knew of Trump and his birtherism, but he wasn't like, he hadn't come down the escalator yet, you know? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> when you have a Michigan governor who's kind of uh, prizing himself as this economic wizard that could rescue bankrupt cities, which, right. by the way, he helped bankrupt. He helped bankrupt Detroit. Uh, he helped, you know, Flint was already in bad shape when he became governor, but he made it worse. Um, so to me, there's a few things. Number one, um, you know, it's think about it. Poisoned water, contaminated water. You're the governor, your state, your state treasurer signed off on the deal that, le- that led them actually to end up 
on the Flint River. Uh, his emergency manager that he appointed, which a lot of people forget, Flint was under uh, emergency management. Just so happens, like most of the cities in Michigan, they were under emergency management, were poor and black. Um, so Flint, Flint was under emergency management and the emergency managers, which were appointed by him, essentially are just proxy for him. I mean, they're not doing things without his, that he doesn't desire. Uh, so, you know, it was a whole big thing where they're trying to, I think, limit the damage. Right. They're telling themselves like, oh, if we just like change the way we're treating the water, which they really didn't, uh, you know, it, it could improve. And listen, these, these are white, wealthy politicians who didn't live in Flint. They're Republicans. I don't know if a Democrat would have done a different thing. And what is that? it's Flint. They're poor. They're black. They're poor. They're white. Um, we'll use them as guinea pigs. But I do think, listen, it, 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 our reporting indicates he found out about it in the middle of October 2014. Other officials in his administration were sending emails about Legionella. We're, we're calling about Legionella. Uh, and one official said, uh, warned the health department not to go public because it would inflame the situation. In the same email said uh, the governor's office had been involved. You tell me that there's not knowledge throughout the administration that his reelection is in two weeks. Yeah, it's it's suspicious to me, I think. Uh, now, let's talk about why they switched to the river. My understanding from your reporting is that <clears throat> Flint is the largest customer of the Detroit water system. And there's a relationship there that was motivated by uh, saving money, so to speak. Is that the case? Yeah, so California would be pretty interested in this since yeah. Nestle and everybody else is trying to privatize your water. Um, so Michigan... Again, uh, Detroit, essentially it's its main asset because Detroit's been crumbling for many, many decades was its water department. It was the third largest water department in the country. And it's Detroit water and sewage served about 40% of Michigan. So okay. it, it was pretty big. So Snyder uh, and his Republican cohorts, who by the way, there was a lot of co-mingling with the Snyder administration and Democrats behind the scenes. Uh, they want to private. They wanted to privatize everything: education, water, pensions, nine one one, traffic, you name it. Privatize it, uh, mainly for their donors. Right. And this is not just a Flint thing. This is happening everywhere. It's happening it, you know, everywhere. It, it's the great public-private partnership, which is basically a fancy term for screwing us all. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Snyder made. I mean, it wasn't a secret. They wanted to privatize. So. Uh, Detroit Water and Sewage, its biggest customer was the city of Flint. Uh, around that time, Flint had, uh, give or take, 100,000 residents. So how do you kneecap Detroit Water and Sewage? You get its largest customer yeah. to, to, to leave. So they came up with a, a new pipeline, a new water pipeline that was going to basically run parallel to Detroit's pipeline. It, it really wasn't necessary. You speak with experts that weren't involved or getting money from it. It, it was a duplicative pipeline. The only difference was Detroit's pipeline provided Flint and other places finished water that was already chemically treated. This other pipeline, the KWA pipeline, was going to have raw water. What do you need raw water for? Things like fracking, agriculture, uh, food processing, whole lot of things. Yeah. Uh, and there was a lot of energy companies and natural gas companies that did, were in hot, hot demand for, yeah. for that pipeline's water. The majority of the pipeline's water was not going to Flint. It was going to other counties and business. So uh, essentially our story shows, and some of it got cut out, so we'll be doing some follow-ups. Um, this was all kind of a privatization scheme. And while that new pipeline was being constructed, 
they made the decision to uh, force, really, Flint to be on the Flint River for two years while construction. And they chose, it, it, you know, they've phrased it like uh, they just, it, oops, boo-boo. But there was, there, was, there was specific environmental department officials that chose, yeah, no, we're not adding uh, the proper chemicals, corrosion control chemicals, because all our pipes are so old that right. water, water systems have to add corrosion control chemicals. Not only did they not add them, they couldn't have added them if they wanted to, because the plant hadn't, been, hadn't had upgrades since the 1960s. They didn't even have the proper equipment to add the chemicals. So it was, a set, it was beyond reckless. And a lot of people think intentional. Right. So the whole point is, is if, if they didn't add the corrosion chemicals, the old pipes would start to break down and what was there would start leaching into the water, right? Well, you have a river versus, they were getting lake water from Detroit. Right. River water is by nature more corrosive. Right. I don't really know how to compare it to California, I but gotcha. just think, think of the dirtiest place, dirtiest water you could think of. Flint River had been, General Motors had been dumping They've its been waste dumping, in there. Yeah. So it's God the earliest 20th, 20th century, uh, a lot of other industrial waste. Uh, it looked green, I mean, to residents there. Um, and we found out in this audio, I mean, even Snyder's own officials were saying, yeah, when I was seven years old in Flint, uh, my mother said, you can't just drink the water straight. You have to run it because it would come out orange straight. So Back this before a, they went on Detroit. Yeah, it was a known thing. Right. So. And also the, sorry. No, no, yeah, no, go, just Jen. The, the materials in the pipes would break down and it became this kind of perfect environment for Legionella bacteria okay. to grow, which led to, you know, Legionnaire's disease and things like that with the residents. So it was because of this corrosion, because of this environment that led to lead leaching out, copper, Legionella. It was horrible. But there's, there's another element too. So Republicans like Snyder, and I honestly, I think a lot of Democrats do this too. They just don't talk this way. They want to run things like a business. They want to run government like a business. All right. Well, Flint's deficit was at like 12, 13 million dollars. It was badly, badly broke and, mm -hmm. and, and, it, and in deficit. So the payment that Flint was paying to Detroit was 1 million a month. So that's 12 million a year. Yeah. So basically, if they got off Detroit and used the river, which is basically free. It, what, it shouldn't have been free because they were told by engineers, uh, you need to add at least $61 million in upgrades to the, treat, to the water plant for it to treat the Flint River water. But just looking at things as a balance sheet, they said, oh, we could get Flint basically deficit, you know, out of deficit by just for what for even one year. Remember, the pipeline construction was for two years. Right. So one year on the Flint River, you know, that's saving $12 million and getting us out of deficit. And if you're Rick Snyder, who apparently had eyes on the White House, hey, yeah. I, I economically rescued Flint. I've, I mean, he didn't. It still looks no, like. Yeah. What has but, changed, yeah. right? Right. That's the worst uh, part. I rescued Detroit, blah, 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 blah. And you got a great message there because Republicans, their message was, you know, uh, recovery from the 08 crash under Obama was a disaster, right. blah, 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 blah. So it was really balance sheet government, right. sorry, balance sheet government uh, and not really giving a damn about the poor people that are going to drink this water. Yeah, that wasn't even part of the conversation, it sounds like. So initially when both of you were in Flint, um, you did a series of exposés sort of on 
how they were instructing the residents not to test the water properly, right? Or they were outright lying. So it was one or the other. Either the instructions weren't clear or they were given false instructions. There, so there were, I think even that in and of itself is, is scandalous in many ways. Um, walk us through a little bit of that. I would think that the governor of Michigan would have those numbers at the top of his mind right now. I can't get into full details yet, but I might have uncovered some major capital C level corruption that might prove the numbers they've been using to declare the water safe here in Flint. Corrupt. Not true. I'm going around the city uh, checking homes that have been tested for the water. They just showed up one day and said that they needed to do water testing. Do you remember if they turned on the water, put the bottle in right away, or did they let it run? They let it run for a minute. Turn the water on, let it run for, like I said, like a minute. That was DEQ the first time. There is no bathing and showering standards. Turn it on, let it run, and then catch the bottle full. This, this right here, you're not gonna take my property for this stinking ass water. So I was hoping I could ask you, because you were on the list for uh, the state sentinel. I'm shocked that you think it's scandalous because yeah. the media just tells me no big deal. It's just, you know. <laughs> Scandalous. It's very scandalous. I mean, to and the onus is on them, in my opinion. If if you're going into an area and, and you you know there's a problem with the water, and they clearly did, and you are really interested in getting clean results, you want to make sure that all the residents understand perfectly well what the instructions are, and you go out out of your way to make sure that that's the case. They did not do that. Jen? Not only did they not do that, but they actually instructed them the wrong way what we think is on purpose. Um, we, we need to dive into more of, of, of this area of who told who, what to do and what and when. But what we know is the result is residents were told to run their water before testing for lead. And so for those who aren't aware, if you run your water before testing for lead, you're flushing the lead out. Right. So the result that you get is, is not accurate. What you're supposed to do is immediately put the sample bottle under the faucet, turn it on and take that sample, send it out. There are, there, there's more to it. There might be two bottles or three bottles, but you do it, you know, consecutively. What they were told to do is turn it on, run it for five minutes. In some cases they were told to run it for 10 minutes. In some cases they were told to run it for 20 minutes and then only then put the bottle in right. and then send it out. So the results where they, what they used to declare the water safe was completely inaccurate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, and that's, that's totally on them because these are folks that don't know that they have to get that initial it, read from the lead. They've never been told that, right? It actually gets, right. it's actually worse than that. It's worse than that because we found Jen and I found this out by just old school door knocking. It was, not pleasurable, by the way. It was very hot yeah, summer. It was in the middle of the summer. <laughs> yeah, we, we had like fans and I had like a, a leopard printed towel for my sweat. Anyway. That he uh, got from his mother, let's say. Yes, <laughs> from, from my mama. Uh, not only were they giving instructions wrong, in, in many cases, it was state environmental officials who actually went into the homes themselves and were running the water 
for the residents. And if you're like a Flint resident who generally, uh, the government's just going to leave me here to die. If you see a state official at your door, you're like, oh, they're doing something great. Come on in. I want to share with you one story that is just haunting to me. And Jen and I were actually a little worried that this resident had passed away recently. Fortunately, yeah. she, she didn't. But Michigan Department of Environmental Quality was going around. They chose uh, certain residents to be on the official state testing program. It was called the Sentinel. And this testing group about, at first it was like over 600 people, it kept going down, was gonna be the focus group to see, all right, Flint's lead levels six months out are this number. A year out, how's it looking? Two years out. So that uh, this one woman, and we found many others, but this one woman, they come to her home, uh, the guy goes in, he runs her water for about a minute. Uh, the test comes back, uh, no lead. And even literally even 15 seconds uh, can flush out a lot of lead. And the level is arbitrary in the first place. The EPA right. sets it at 15, um, why is it uh, escaping me right now? 15, 15 parts per billion. Parts per billion. Uh, the, the real level is zero health, for definitely right. for children, but adults too. So they run her water for about a minute. Uh, they tell her, there's no lead. Some some um, sinks, uh, you can't fit a filter over it because they're not uh, made that way. Right. So she had no lead. She was told she had no lead. So she goes back to drinking the water. She was like 33, 34. A uh, couple months after that, she starts getting uh, problems in her kidney. Then she gets a massive lump on her thyroid, uh, her left th thyroid. She got thyroid cancer. Uh, kidney. They couldn't even biopsy the kidney because... She was so weak from the thyroid cancer, the doctors didn't want to biopsy the kidney while she was so weak. We went there and interviewed her. Chemo, basically bald, uh, 35 with three kids. And, you know, who knows? If they would have tested the right way, it probably did have lead in there. Uh, so this is the kind of stuff we were, I mean, I couldn't get in touch with her the last few weeks and I thought she had died. Uh, fortunately, she just changed numbers. But the point is, when you, it's not like, I think stories like this, sometimes it's so in the weeds and the way they test this and that, but the bottom line is they were flushing away the evidence. So people were still drinking the water right. based on false representation and the media, which I really hope we get to is a bunch of stenographers. They didn't do what Jen and I did. They have a lot more resources than us and right. take the petty <laughs> listening with, with resources. Um, they have a lot more resources than us. They were just passing off and regurgitating whatever Rick Snyder's environmental department told them about the numbers. That's like, you know, taking your banking information right. from the bank robber. I mean, it's yeah. it's crazy. Um, and by the way, to add to add, it's even more nefarious in my opinion, because a lot of the cases were them giving the wrong instructions. Right. But the them who, in many cases, were giving the wrong instructions were volunteers trained by the environmental department, long-term unemployed, predominantly black in Flint, volunteers. So they were using these volunteers who for the first time, they were getting paid. So technically, yeah. you know, paid volunteers, but they were using these paid volunteers who are long-term unemployed, telling them do it the wrong instructions. They were using them as useful idiots, basically. That's terrible. Yes. That's what we found. No, that's terrible. And of course, the residents would trust these folks coming into the house and believe that they were trained properly and knew what they were talking about. This is so egregious. I just can't stand it. We found, we found one instance, Tina, that a resident had 11,886 parts per billion in his water. 
Wow. 11,000, almost 12,000. The nor- the average is 12, uh, 15. They, he, you know, got in touch with MDEQ. They come test it or whatever. He tests it and sends it to the lab 15 the next time. That's not possible. That's his not service, possible. No. His service line hadn't changed. And the only reason, by the way, and the only reason that they went and tested it, by the way, the next day after I reached out to them, they went on a Saturday after I reached out to them. So how many more uh, residents like this? So it's really frustrating because there's a lot of money at stake in the Flint yeah, water. There is. Well, and if it continues, it hurts a lot of business interests. Yeah. So I think there was a lot of effort on Snyder's. You know, the environmental department is not just willy nilly doing this on their own. You know, there, there's obviously mandates in government uh, on, you know, get this problem over. Oh, 100 percent. Let's well, let's talk about the business side of this, because I think it's money um, all the way up that's motivating all of these decisions. Um, So the Mott Foundation is something that I'm particularly disturbed by. This is a nonprofit organization. And I think uh, just by virtue of being a nonprofit, they get away with a lot more than what a uh, public corporation or a C corp or S corp would. There's a tendency by the American public public to trust a nonprofit, right? They think they have a 501c status. They want to protect that. Um, they're doing, you know, good deeds out in the world because they're a nonprofit. So there's there's a certain level of cover that is granted to a nonprofit organization by virtue of being a nonprofit. And when you have one that's behaving in nefarious ways, I think they're able to extend uh, what they get away with a little bit further. So let's let's talk a little bit about the Mott Foundation what their relationship is with all these players in Flint and why we need to start paying attention to them more. Uh, you want to start, Jen? You go ahead. Okay. I know you have a lot to say on this topic. I, 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 don't, want people to think <laughs> I don't want people to think I'm monopolizing here. Never, no, uh, no, no. Um, so basically, and by the way, you could just you know, take out Mott's name and put in another foundation because tr- I always try to broaden this out because it's not just Flint and I think people... Think this is only a Flint thing, no. but this is symbolic and really, really representative of what's going on everywhere. I agree. So there's a foundation called the Mott Foundation. It's named after uh, Charles Stuart Mott. He was a pretty much the titan of General Motors, largest investor uh, in the 1910s, 20s, around there. So Mott, uh, and there's been books about this, this and that, was very, very involved with enforcing seg- uh, school segregation in Flint. Um, uh, uh, housing segregation in Flint. There's been quite a few allegations that, you know, uh, Charles Stuart Mott was, was a racist. Um, Bill White, who was his um, son-in-law, uh, was a racist. When Charles Stuart Mott died, Bill White took over as the Mott chairman. And essentially, you know, they have this cloak over them because they give a hell of a lot of money to Flint. I mean, over a billion dollars in grants uh, in since the 20 earliest 20th century and Flint as of now cannot run without Mott. Mott funds the hospitals, the universities, the colleges, the neighborhood programs, youth programs, you name it. Uh, But with that, you know, that's great if that's your only purpose and you really truly are about charity and lifting up these downtrodden communities. We found out that's not their only purpose. Uh, They are essentially the shadow government of Flint. They are essentially the shadow government uh, in Michigan. They're not the only ones, but one of the big ones. So we found out, and frankly, Vice cut this out of the story. Can't get into why. I I, I know that, you know, 
they were a little concerned about this and whatever. Right. Um, and I also think, you know, we'll get into the media part, but a lot of national media outlets that are based in New York and DC just are kind of, they're, they're not investing. They're not investigative reporters. So it's right. kind of like, oh, well, this won't matter to a national audience, some yeah. foundation of Flint. Right. They said it was too local. Right, right, right. I think it was also, you know, they didn't want to get sued. But anyway, yeah. uh, and all the facts were valid. There was nothing to get right. sued over. But anyway, so Mott, essentially, you know, let's go back to that emergency manager that was appointed in Flint. Mott essentially chose the emergency manager for Governor Snyder. We found out that, first of all, we actually have, we won't say who yet because it's going to come out. We have a very high level politician that on hot tape, pretty stupid of him. He didn't say off the record, nothing. So I recorded it. Uh, he was like, yeah, Mott chose the emergency managers, <laughs> a, a current politician in Flint. And uh, he, th this politician also said, you think they give $100 million to a cause just because they want to help out? Because right. they gave over $100 million to Flint. So we did some reporting and found out that in 2011, a couple months before Snyder appointed the first emergency manager in Flint, and that emergency manager got all this rolling. He was the first one that even broached the idea of Flint using the Flint River. Um, basically, Governor Snyder's treasurer, uh, Andy Dillon, met with bigwigs at the Mott Foundation, bigwigs at the Genesee County Chamber of Commerce, bigwigs at Uptown Redevelopment. Basically, they're all arms of the Mott Foundation. Mott funds Uptown, which is, its, is a real estate company buying up downtown Flint, i.e. gentrification. Yeah. Uh, Chamber of Commerce, the Genesee County Chamber of Commerce, Flint is part of Genesee County, is funded by Mott. So basically all the players met with Snyder's state treasurer. So right there, why is a private foundation and a real estate company, whatever, meeting with the governor's treasurer? Like, why is that? Yeah. Um, and essentially we found out that they brokered the deal right then and there for Snyder to appoint a guy named Michael Brown, who he didn't even know who he was right then. And the deal was if Michael Brown is appointed as emergency manager, who was basically a Mott guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he, ra he ran an office in Flint for Mott. Uh, then we will, uh, we will support you. You know, Jen and I are still looking into the balance sheets, but right. there was kind of some pass, some pass through, like, cause a foundation can't really like directly donate to a politician. So it's always right. kind of funneled through other things. Yeah. So that's how Mott first was basically the shadow government deciding who the emergency manager is. And we found out that Mott has a history of trying to, in, you know, the, the, the charitable term is regionalize services, take it from city, move it to county or move it to state. In reality, privatize services. Right. So they, they wanted this emergency manager in and this emergency manager, the first order of business, the water and um, this new pipeline. So that's what ultimately led to Flint going on the Flint River. We also found out that this this uh, foundation was essentially, ironically, what what I don't want to say stopped the crisis because it's it's going on, but at least eventually got Flint off of the Flint River. October 2015, Governor Snyder's uh, top assistant emails him, right. basically says, "You know, we're striking out here. We've been trying to get the final four million dollars from Mott Foundation to reconnect Flint to Detroit because at that point, the story's." Uh, getting all over uh, Michigan, some right. national outlets are picking it up. So, all right, we've been caught. We got, we got to do something here. So the assistant emailed Snyder, like, you know, 
you have to call Ridgeway White, the, the CEO of uh, president of what of Mott at that time. The ask has to come for you. We found out, called him the next day, you know, said whatever. And the next day, Mott announces we're uh, grant we're providing four million dollars for Flint to go back <laughs> to Detroit. And Mott has then thrown a hundred million dollars. So everybody loves Mott. Right. Right. They're, they look like the hero now. Right. Right. So there's a lot more to it. But basically, this is on a local level, uh, private foundations, private real estate companies, all of these uh, private interests running the government and government officials doing their bidding. And oh, by the way, you notice that, you know, the media has been propping up current Michigan yeah. Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah, yeah. she's she, she's, she's in political for VP for Biden, I believe. Yeah, we're yeah. finding out she's in bed with these people too, yeah, and that's yeah. why she had she hasn't lifted a finger. Jen, you could fill her in about Gretchen Whitmer's promises that haven't come true. Yeah, so she promised to reopen the the bottled water pods, which right. were closed down and which Flint residents relied on. That has not happened, and we also have this uh, statute of limitations, which. You know, as we're filming this, um, ends tomorrow for misconduct in office. And Gretchen Whitmer, uh, through AG um, Nessel, Dana Nessel, has promised to make these Flint residents whole, right. has not done so, has done a, a really terrible job, and has also said, um, Jordan, I believe this was to the former mayor Weaver, mm -hmm. that there's Flint fatigue, which mm -hmm. I just find stomach turning. Just absolutely stomach turning. But this is the Democratic Party. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Republicans are angels, but she's the governor, right? She's <laughs> so, the governor. Yeah, she's enabling it. You know, I had, right. you might appreciate this, you guys. I had interviewed one of the original Weather Underground members a few months back, and he referred to the Republicans and the Democrats as the fuckers and the motherfuckers. And <laughs> he has a point because they do nothing but enable the problems. They're not an opposition party by any means. And it, it is definitely part of the problem that they're engaging in this. Um, you know, to get back to the Mott thing, this, there's something that I refer to as implicit quid pro quo. And I think these, this is a really good example of that. If you look at all the folks that are involved with private foundations that sit on the boards of nonprofits, they're they're part of the platonomy for the most part. This is what I this is like a philanthrocapitalism to put it one way, right? So there is there's definitely a benefit that they get from being on the same boards with each other's and deals get made. And those deals often are tied to whatever politician they're supporting as individuals, not necessarily the foundation, right? So there is a chain of quid pro quo that occurs at this level. And to me, what you're describing is a really good example of about how nefarious that can be, no matter that it's subtle, right? It doesn't matter. So their goals are, are, are increasing their business interests, gentrification if they own the real estate, the ability to build out the pipeline, the ability to control more parts of the, the businesses that are there locally. So again, this is the platonomy feather in their nest, but they want to come out and look like the hero, right? So we're going to come in, we're the nonprofit, we're going to give you a grant out of the goodness of our heart, even though that's entirely bullshit, and they get away with it. And this repeats re all over the country, not, not just in Flint. It happens a lot. And I think people should really be more aware of that, right? Question nonprofit status, question what nonprofits are doing. When Bill Gates is giving money to... Um, 
sort of, you know, charter school initiatives, what's his interest in that, right? Is it really that he thinks five-year-olds should be able to read better? Is, is that really the case? Well, I think it, I think there's another element here, which we didn't get into. Not only did this private foundation, and when I say the private foundation, it's all one and the same. This real estate company, Uptown Redevelopment, Genesee County, they all, they're pretty much, it's like an octopus, they're together. Yeah. Um, yeah. The bottom line is, pretty much from the moment this became national, they were trying to force the former Flint mayor to say the water's getting better or the water's safe because what's bad for business development and gentrification in a town like Flint, like an ongoing water poisoning or or an ongoing water crisis. I mean, we have, I won't say who yet until they agree to go on the record. We have people telling us like, yeah, uh, the guy who ran Uptown Redevelopment, which is funded by Mott, was basically saying this water crisis is a hoax and we need to, you know, the mayor needs to declare the water fine because we can't get businesses to purchase property here downtown. So again, all of the majority, almost nine out of 10 times, none of these people live in the affected community. They all live in other communities and they are playing God based on their business interest with, and and at this point, it's not just poor people because Poison waters come into like middle class towns now, even some uh, on the upper middle class. Um, it's not just water, uranium, arsenic, PFAS, uh, all sorts of chemicals. So there was efforts by Governor Snyder. Mayor Weaver is on the record saying they were dangling a pot of money over us because the state controls the, the funds for water relief. Right. So they were trying to push her to declare the water fine because if you're a predominantly black city, they felt, well, if the, if the black female uh, mayor says it's fine, then people and the pastors will go along and, you know, that's how it works. Then the community will trust it. Uh, But to her credit, she wouldn't do that. And all of a sudden funding promises are suddenly not available anymore. uh, And this and that. So this foundation played a huge part in that. And just think about how sick that is. It's so sick. They they don't know. Nobody knows. Six years later, tomorrow's six years. Nobody knows what the real lead levels are. It's (laughs) not just lead. It's not just lead. Uh, there's some areas don't have enough chlorine in the water. Uh, some areas have, uh, bacteria still forming, uh, little miss Flint, who is a 12 year old girl who's gotten a lot of donations for Flint and she's really great. Uh, you know, she just, uh, responded to one of our videos set because we found in 2018, right after governor Snyder declared the water restored. The only thing missing was like the chopper pilot coming in with the yeah. mission accomplished. Uh, we found two months later, we found a one-year-old baby with white blisters all over her oh. arms, legs, and ears. Uh, they had just moved into that home. Her her skin was perfectly clear a couple of weeks before. The mother was bathing her for a half hour. That was in 2018. Little Miss Flint, who's 12, was saying, um, still my brothers, still us, we get rashes from the water. This, not, this, is, this water is meeting EPA regulations? and people are getting rashes. Yeah. And by the way, the EPA is in on it too, because we brought the manipulated water testing we found to the EPA two years ago. They basically confirmed, yeah, that's against our regulations. So we asked, so you're gonna do anything about it? Yeah. And then we, got a, then we got a statement back like, well, you know, our records show Flint's meeting EPA regulations. Ugh, so that's... it's one big sociopathic, psychopathic cabal. And they're not even hiding it. Flint has what's called a master plan, 
which is basically like, hey, we're doing gentrification. <laughs> Here's our plan for it. Wow. They, they don't even hide it. The they media just doesn't it. report. Uh, Jen, talk to me a little bit more about the statute of limitations that you brought up. Uh, so so you, you have all this information that you've now disclosed to the public. Clearly, the attorney general has seen it. That's not up for debate. There is enough evidence here to put Snyder behind bars, in my opinion. Like, this is damning. This is, this is some of the most egregious behavior and clear examples of corruption that we've had in, in modern uh, political times. What's going on here? Why are they letting the statute of limitations run out? Uh, were you able to get any comments from anybody in, in the attorney general's office? So there are a couple of parts to this. The first part is that nine, 10 months ago, the attorney general's Kim Worthy and uh, Fadwa Hamoud, the solicitor general, did a kind of a town hall with residents. And in that town hall, residents became really upset because they said, oh, we have, we have nine months left in order, you know, the statute of limitations is running out. We have nine months left. And residents are like, are you going to do anything? Are you going to do anything? And they said, we're going to do everything we can do. We can't make any promises, but we're going to, we, we're on this. We are on top of this. Now, all and, of a sudden, by the way, by the way, not to interrupt Jen, but sure. this, this was held because they just dropped all of the charges. Yes against the, the remaining eight defendants. This attorney general came in, she fired the previous investigators, she fired the previous special prosecutor because Flint had a special prosecutor in there like Mueller type. Right. And this new person came in, no real explanation why other than some weird technical jargon, fired all of them and dropped charges against the top officials. Go on, Jen. Yeah, so- wow. Yeah, as Jordan said, that's why they held that meeting. They they canned everybody who had been working on this for three years. They canned three years, didn't bring them in for debriefings or anything like that. Um, so residents were understandably upset yeah. and worried and concerned. And so again, back then they said, yeah, we have nine months left. Well, fast forward to our Vice story coming out. Right. All of a sudden, the AG's office is putting out a statement saying, oh, actually, <laughs> actually, we still have more time. I want to clear, we want to clear up the misconception that the statute of limitations is on Saturday, which is the 25th of April. Right, right. Um, so six years from the water switch is the statute of limitations which was April 25th, 2014. So here we are, the, the six year anniversary of the water switch is tomorrow as we're recording this, the 25th of April. But right. now they're saying, oh, don't worry. So we think that this was an effort to bury our story in the media because the, the local media in Michigan picked up that, Instead. picked up, oh, the AG's office is saying to not worry about the statute of limitations. They're saying they mm. still have more time. So we think that they were muddying the waters because oh. Uh, for um, manslaughter, there is still more time. But for felony and mis uh, for misconduct and office charges, that would run out tomorrow unless they found some way to move the start date, which they have not announced. Which is what they told the residents at that town hall Jim was talking about. They That's said, we're, we're up against the statute of limitations. Then they come out with this muddying the water statement saying there's a misconception, which was referencing our story without actually re responding to right, it. Right, right. But I'm going to go a little further than Jen. Okay. And <laughs> uh, 
Whatever. As usual. <laughs> I, doubt, I doubt the Attorney General of Michigan's listening to you, Tina. No offense. Yeah, I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think she. I think they're corrupt. She should be. Um, I actually. I actually think she's corrupt. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt that the governor, Whitmer, is involved with some of these things because I think as we're starting to notice, like the governor is not separate from the attorney general, just like the president is not independent of the attorney. I mean, Eric Holder was not independent of Obama, just like William Barr is doing Trump's bidding. I mean, they're on the same team here. That's right. And there's an inherent conflict of interest here, right? I agree. Because the attorney general's office is both investigating state defendants, so basically investigating the Snyder administration, while also defending the Snyder administration in court. They claim that there's a rigid, that's why in the first place, right. the previous attorney general hired an outside special right. prosecutor. That's the right thing to do. Because think about how ridiculous it is that you're gonna have one part of your office prosecuting the state and the other part defending. And the bottom line is states can't print money like the federal government. No. So states only states only have X amount of money in their budget. Yeah, well, they have to have a balanced budget, actually. That's they right. can't run a deficit. So yeah. So the state of Michigan, there's a giant class action lawsuit uh, that Flint residents are on. It's wow. been stuck in court for four years now, five years. And there's a certain amount of money, you know, Whitmer. That money's coming out of her budget. So mm -hmm. uh, she wants to settle. You know, they could be resistance warriors and all that to, uh, to the public, but she wants to settle for as cheap as possible. Well, yeah. if certain charges went forward in criminal court, specifically that pipeline we were telling you about, and this gets really into the weeds, but there was a, uh, an allegedly, uh, I, I say allegedly just as a journalist, but it, 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 it is a, a fraudulent bond deal that led to that pipeline. And this is they, private they, bonds, right? Right, okay. right. Wells Fargo, JP Morgan were the original bondholders. Flint was broke. Flint couldn't borrow money to join a pipeline, but somehow they created an exemption for broke Flint to borrow tens of billions of dollars, which Flint is on the hook for, the residents are on the hook for, to join this unnecessary pipeline. So if that went forward in criminal court, because the attorney general dropped the charges against the defendants for that too, because the previous attorney general and the special prosecutor had charged at least four officials with false pretenses related to that bond deal. They dropped those charges. To me, they dropped all of the charges to get rid of those because if that goes forward, oh, you got a lot of angry banks. You got a lot of angry, wealthy investors. They might want their money back because they don't want to be uh, connected to a, a crooked deal. And who would be on the hook for those hundreds of millions of more dollars of liability? Right. Gretchen Whitbear in the state of Michigan. So to me, that's the real thing going on here. And I just want to add, because we haven't talked about it. To me, there's plenty of things that make Rick Snyder, um, you know, charges. Mm -hmm. But there's one thing that we broke that is clear as day. Governor Snyder, the whole defense has been the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing in government. I was It wasn't brought to my attention how bad things were, blah, blah, blah. We found out that... Yeah. We found out that in October 2014, so six months before the water switch, 12 months before they actually switched it back, we found out that there was a whistleblower inside the Snyder administration, his environmental attorney. She was a magna cum laude graduate from Harvard. Of course. She had a master's from uh, Oxford. Pretty nice. 
uh, got her Juris Doctor at Georgetown. Brilliant. Yeah, obviously. Not the, not the janitor, the environmental attorney for Snyder himself. But she, we love janitors. Yes. <laughs> she sent an email to Snyder's chief of staff, other top officials, basically like urgent, like literally the words urgent. We need to switch Flint back to Detroit. There's E. coli in this water. There's TTHMs in this water. She might have known about Legionella, but it wasn't in that water, uh, in that email. And the, you know, the appropriate government response might have been like, oh, crap, let's get her in touch with the state environmental exactly. department, right? Instead, she was sent to Governor Snyder's enforcer, fixer, Richard Baird, oh, Richard Baird. For, a, for a conference call with him, with Darnell Early, who is uh, at this point the third emergency manager appointed to Flint. They have a conference call. In her public testimony, she said, I, I said, you know, I told them how urgent this is. They told me it was too expensive to go back to Detroit. Right. In my view, what they were talking about was if Flint went back to Detroit, they'd be paying Detroit monthly and they're still on the hook for those KWA bonds. They'd be double billed yeah. per month. No, so undoubtedly. that was the public testimony. What Jen and I broke, she was also secretly subpoenaed, which people didn't know. She was brought in for an investigative subpoena. She broke down in tears. She said that the governor's henchman after that call uh, told me never send another fucking email like that again. Uh, don't send another email like that again to anyone about Flint. And they threatened her and basically put her back to her cubicle. She didn't say another word. Uh, a source that we trust that, that knows her and has spoken with her. Uh, and I quote, it haunts her at night. It weighs on her conscience. She wish she would have done more. So I'm not, right. you know, I'm not putting the Flint water crisis on her. Yeah. But you think that the governor's right hand man, the chief of staff, were warned about this and the governor wasn't warned about it. We also found out there was a whole lot of communication going on between the governor, the health department, his chief of staff that same month. And you've, you've read all these e emails. They were all leaked to you, correct? The emails uh, were, well, were put out in email dumps. Um, okay. So Did you the do a difference FOIA is request or no, they were just, they, they had to be released because oh, actually okay. the, governor's office is exempt from FOIA requests, which is ridiculous in Michigan. Insane. That is insane. So, yeah. So they had to put out these email dumps over time, but oh, okay. some of them are thousands of pages long and no one went through them. The, the, diff the documents though, that we're talking about, the investigative subpoena documents were the only ones who have those. Those were not ever released. We were the first ones to publish those. And by the way, yeah. we did FOIA, did FOIA Michigan department of health and human services because okay. they're they're not exempt the governor's direct office is exempt in michigan but the health department isn't we asked for emails as well as phone calls uh for certain months in 2014 they told us they don't have phone logs going back that far which is complete bullshit yeah but that's what they said and jen and i uh you know it's status quo is growing status quo.com says join by the way yeah. but um you know we don't have you the money for that. Yeah, no, people don't realize that yeah. it costs you money to do a FOIA request. You have to pay them to search for the documents, et cetera. So sometimes if we've been quoted $15,000 for go. certain things we've requested <laughs> from Michigan. That's insane. So, again, yeah. you know, but all right, so let's talk about this for a second on that note. And this is why this right here is why it matters. There has been an absolute travesty going on here in, in regards to how the media has treated the situation. And when I say the media, I'm not talking about independent journalists like ourselves that are out there doing this kind of work for very little money. I'm talking about 
the Washington Post. I'm talking about the New York Times. I'm talking about the fourth estate. These folks have attorneys on staff. They have staff writers. They should be going through these email dumps looking for those smoking guns. And they're, they've chosen not to do that. Like you said, they were just reproducing the press releases that Snyder was sending out, right? This is mm-hmm. egregious. Um, I, per, my personal beef in this area is this. I'm upset because I've seen this sort of degradation in the media over the last 30 years, right? I mean, I first started working in the media in, in the 90s. And there seems to be little regard for this idea that that journalism is a public service and that you have a commitment to veracity and to looking for the facts, right? That seems to have disappeared and has been replaced with this sort of corporate, defend the corporate uh, interest at all costs sort of mentality. And I see it at all of these outlets. And I think in, in, in response to that, the American public has become dumbed down and they've learned to expect a sort of sensationalized view of reporting. And if they don't get that, they sort of tune out. So this is a problem. I, what are your personal opinions in this area, especially related to the Flint uh, situation? I think that, uh, I know this sounds crazy. I think the broader scandal other than the Governor Snyder and what they did here is, is the media because the media is complicit. Yeah. The media is absolutely I don't think that complicit. sounds crazy, Jordan. And and I got to tell you something. I don't even live in Flint. Jen doesn't live in Flint. We don't live in Michigan. I've gone there 15 times, Jen, seven or eight. Um, every time we're there reporting on this, all the residents, it's like we're a rescue, a rescue chopper yeah. because there is no, even the local media no. Isn't there in Flint doesn't they just write press releases from back then Snyder now Whitmer um, corruption whether it's in Flint in LA whatever it exists because politicians know they have perfect Im- Im- impunity yeah. there is no media the local media is essentially you know yeah uh, the national media has become infotainment um, these honestly to tell you the truth, even people on our side, and this has been super disappointing on the progressive side, I think they are more interested in the daily blood sport of politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's up? Yeah. Who's up? Who's down? What crazy thing Trump has done? And they don't care. And I don't even think it's malicious. I think it's subconscious. But because, and I, and I keep saying this, and that's why if Jen and I ever do get the funding, we want to have reporters not, in, not based in New York and D.C. only. Right. But if you are, you know, even if you're a progressive, if you're living in New York, DC, LA, excusing uh, good company, um, you, you kind of, what's going on in Flint, Michigan? Like, oh, that's yeah. too bad, so, you know? So I was like that before I went, before I started going out and around the country. It's not that I wouldn't care if somebody told me about it, but I didn't care enough to find out myself. You know, we're all living in our privileged, um, right. even, if you're not, even if you're not doing well financially, if you live on the coast. You're privileged um, by that, I agree. Right. So, you know, you don't realize how bad it is. And I don't think people, these idiots who say, oh, Putin uh, got Trump in office or (laughs) Comey. It's like, no, you know what got Trump in office? The fact that their plants have been shut down. That's right. The fact that their storefronts look like episodes of The Walking Dead. The fact that these towns are ghost towns and Trump fed them a lot of bullshit that made them believe somebody was going to do it. So I got to tell you something. I mean, I don't care. I was DMing with Brian Stelter from Reliable Sources. 
you know, he has a show. Yeah. He's supposed to be their media watchdog, which is kind of laughable because he's, <laughs> he's not. And he says to me, like, yeah, you know, it's 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 really a shame. There's a lot of stories kind of getting uh, the chopping block right now because of Corona, a lot of local stories. So I said to him, respectfully, I do think Corona is the number one story right now, but I, I don't think the biggest environmental cover up of the 21st century is a local story. I don't, I don't think yeah. I don't th I don't think Flint is a local story. Rachel Maddow didn't. That's why she went. Right. Um, but when the gatekeepers, whether through intentional corruption, because there are some media that I believe are corrupt, including in Michigan, oh, or or just gross out of touchness or lack of lack of care, frankly, because Jen and I and, and how we built status quo, we don't go places when it's actually breaking then and there. I mean, there might be a few exceptions like Standing Rock. I would have went to when it's breaking there. The real story comes after. The real story comes when all the cameras leave. Right. The real story comes when the private vultures get a piece That's before true. before the catastrophe happens or long after it happens. So I first went to Flint in August 2016. All the cameras had been gone for months. Right. The reason I went is the reason I went is somebody came up to me at a conference I was at from Flint and told me this is the media is lying. It's not getting better. It's terrible. You know, yeah. So I convinced the Young Turks at that point to send me. Yeah. But you know, when I'm 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 literally, Tina, up till midnight trying to beg a 12 year old, little Miss Flint, who's got a big social media platform yeah. to tweet about this because the media covers when she does things. I am literally begging, and it's time to name names. I'm begging Michael yeah, Moore. Name names, producer. do it. I'm begging Michael Moore's producer just to tweet, not write a dissertation. Yeah. Jen, we broke it eight days ago. Eight uh, days yeah, ago. Yeah, last, last. Yeah, his, produ his, his producer has it. I'm not blaming his producer. Michael Moore has been Which busy. I going don't on. understand. This is this is his wheelhouse. Like he's going on Colbert. He's promoting his new documentary, doing this, doing that, uh, tweeting picture, tweeting videos of people punching Trump dummies. And I can't get the face of Flint to tweet about a cover up presided over the governor that he's been railing about, by the way. So if your heroes won't. And by the way. It's not for like Jen and my ego. I don't no. care if no, he even mentions this. No, it's for the people to live in Flint. It's, it's, it's the fact we have to fight corruption. Snyder needs to go to jail. At some point in this country, at some point, we need to put our foots down and say enough is enough. We need to start prosecuting politicians for the shit that they do. I don't think that that's a controversial statement whatsoever. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, right. I don't. We've spent so much time in the last week, eight days. Actually, two years, because we've been pitching so many media outlets. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, yeah. Tina, yeah, tell know. them about Rolling Stone, Jen. Yeah, so we first, the, the story that ended up in Vice, we first went to Rolling Stone about it. So this was back in October of 2019. We called Rolling Stone. They were super excited. Uh, Matt Taibbi had put us in touch with editors. Mm -hmm. um, and so we went through two editors, so excited. I will, I will always remember their excitement. We were sitting there in a, an Airbnb outside of Flint and we were like, this is it. They're going to do yeah. it. This is so great. They get it. This is awesome. And then it went to some higher ups all of a sudden. Oh, we don't have the resources to do this. If they All don't of a have sudden. the resources, who does? Exactly. So we don't know what happened in that instance. Maybe they got scared. Maybe there's something else going on. 
but we had this experience with so many different outlets. We finally ended up with Vice, who we went to, I think, in November of right. 2019. And it took six months for them to get the story Actually, out. they and told us it was going to be out a couple of weeks after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, yeah. They, they said, it's, oh, yeah, we can get this out a couple weeks after Thanksgiving. And what took priority, this is so ridiculous. Um, I, I really do like our editor. She's great. I think she has a great heart, but I almost lost it when um, we were talking about the delays with her and like, come on, we have to get this out. The statute of limitations is yeah. coming up. And, and so I can't remember which month this was, maybe two months ago. She was like, oh, here's the big story we've, I've been working on. So here's why there's been delays. It was a story about class pass which I don't know if you're familiar with ClassPass, but it's an um, some app that allows you to take gym classes, like what? yoga classes or, or spin or whatever you, you want to me? do for cheaper. So the, the big expose that they'd prioritized above Flint was ClassPass and the fact that the gym owners and the um, like yoga studio owners weren't getting as much money as they would have otherwise. And so she presented us this link, so thrilled with herself. I <laughs> am like, no, people in Flint are dying. People are, you are literally kidding? dying and we care about this boosh-tastic app. Are you kidding me? Exactly. Uh, that, that one was pretty bad, but the I think even worse than that, uh, the, the water testing story that we had uh, broken, we were supposed to break it with Newsweek magazine. Mm. And I just bit my tongue and I grinned and bared. Jen and I met with them at this really gross, luxurious corporate office. On, it on was Wall real swanky. On Wall Street, on <laughs> Wall Street by the way. Literally on Wall Street. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. Yeah, very Newsweek, bougie. <laughs> Newsweek, big magazine, whatever. We met with them. Jen literally, I mean, binder. She, she created a binder. Jen, tell them about this binder you oh made. Oh my gosh. I, I, I was so excited to finally have someone who was interested in this water testing story. This is the one we spoke about in the very yeah. beginning where they were um, flushing the, the lead out first. So I created this binder full of just eat, like with tabs in it that they could easily reference everything because Newsweek wouldn't let us write the story. They put it like a 21 year old in charge of it who was just out of college. And um, she, I I don't even know if she was an intern or full staff at that point, but it was basically like, here, you, you take this to the fucking girl. moron is what she was. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, okay, they're not going to be able to handle this. We need to present everything. So I, this yeah. binder was, was, was huge. Many, many, many pages. I still wish I had that binder back. They never returned it. So um, Jordan, I don't know if you want to tell the rest of the story, but yeah, they put it in charge of this 21 year old. And then, <laughs> so, you know, uh, Tina, you know this, like yeah. uh, Jen and I uh, were building status quo, uh, the economic uh, problems right now with coronavirus are affecting us, but through seven days a week, a lot of work, we've been able to build up. We've got over 2000 paying members a month. Oh, thank you guys who are listening. Awesome. Uh, you know, small dollar memberships, five bucks a month. Anyway, so when we, we thought we were gonna break this with Newsweek, so we booked a ticket with Jen, myself, our cameraman at the time, just a trip to Flint, three people, uh, hotels, uh, flights, hotels, rent a car, food. Right. On the cheap, it's like three, four grand. Yeah. So we book it because we want to be there when this big story breaks, interviewing people, this and that. Uh, we get an email, I think it was like the day before, uh, basically killing the story, telling us that there's not enough data here. Are you kidding and me? 
and and I quote, like in politics, like in politics, when you're explaining, you're losing. Meaning I they found it. it. Meaning they found it too difficult to, to explain understand. the story. So I basically wrote back, well, with all due respect, she seems like a nice lassie, but yeah, you have a 21, you have a 21 year old at a college that you're making us deal with here. Yeah. This does Newsweek not have, does Newsweek not have the resources to come up with an animation? No, they they do. They when do. You, when you, when you flush water yeah. before taking a lead in copper, it was preposterous. It is preposterous. And you know who gets hurt the most? Status quo got hurt. You know, we basically wasted money because we were, we had to go to Flint, but it's the people. Yeah. This corruption is silent. I emailed the Flint Journal this morning, which is Flint's hometown paper, which hasn't covered any of this. That's We've been crazy. out with two, two bombshells in a week. Hasn't covered a word. And some emails I've sent have been less than diplomatic, I would say. <laughs> but this okay. one, Jen, you read it. I, I was very diplomatic, yeah. I said. Yeah, I, you know, To the news director, I said, you know, if you haven't seen these, because obviously you guys are busy, here's the bullets, so they don't even have to read it. And to tell you the truth, I'm just perplexed yeah. how the Flint Journal doesn't find it important to inform the people of Flint. Like, all right, if you want to say uh, we want to vet some of these claims you're reporting, but you, like the fact that his people were subpoenaed, like we have the documents, yeah. there's nothing to vet. Like they're not disputing it. The attorney general is not disputing it. The fact that Mayor Weaver is the last mayor of Flint is on the record saying Governor Snyder literally tried to get her when he was alive, Governor Snyder went up to the last mayor of Flint at the current governor's inauguration and asked her to get Elijah Cummings to back off from investigating him. That's right. a major national story. The mayor's on the record alleging it. We found three other sources who said, yeah, she told us about it at the time. Snyder was free to dispute it. We reached out many, many times. Right. Like, this is not just stupid editors. This right. is editors and journalists making conscience choices to bury cover-ups, to bury corruption. And that leaves, you know, Washington Post says democracy dies in the darkness. It's there is no democracy. It's dying as we speak. And, and the Washington Post is actually part of the problem, if you ask me. Um, I can tell you what, I can tell you what, I can tell you what. I don't even know if, it, if coronavirus never happened, which would have been great. I don't even know if they would cover it. Because honestly, no. I think that this... The, the, oh my God, I guess worse. Sorry, I'm going on a rant. The okay. congressman that the congressman that represents Flint, which, oh, by the way, Dan Kildee, it takes a whole lot of money from the Mott Foundation. No coincidence. Yeah. All of these politicians take money from the Mott Foundation. From, yeah. Silent. Silence of the limbs. Do you know that on the water testing story, we had to, uh, you know, we sent it to him when we broke it because when Newsweek killed it, we just published it ourselves did okay on Twitter, you know, those kind of things. But he wouldn't say anything publicly. It was in his office for months. They gave me some bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I literally cornered him at a public library. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was an event. I didn't accost him, but he was there. He deserved to be accosted, let's be honest. Fortunately, he didn't. I don't think he knew who I was by face. So he granted, he me, an he granted me an interview. And I just, I went in. I went in and finally I got him to just utter the words, of course there should be an investigation. You, are you saying that I would let my people be uh, poisoned? Yes. And not, uh, like, well, it's been sitting in your office for right. months. So uh, it is honestly, the corruption doesn't end with Governor Snyder no, or his administration. Doesn't. The media is complicit 
And you want to know something? I understand coronavirus. Uh, of course, I think it's the number one story. But you can't tell me the Detroit Free Press doesn't have the resources to write a 400-word recap. I you agree. can't tell me you can't tell me Detroit News can't do that. Right. The Flint Journal. And right. by the way, by the way, coronavirus and Flint are very connected. Oh, coronavirus, I'm sure. I'm coronavirus. Sure a yeah, lot of coronavirus. illness from it. The underlying uh, problems with the water that's caused the illness would make them more susceptible, I would imagine, to getting a severe yeah. case of, of COVID-19 yeah. if they get Genesis sick. County, which Flint is part of, has a 10% fatality rate right now. Jesus. See, yeah, you know, I was noticing, Jordan, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking at the per capita death rates on coronavirus versus the rest of the country, and they were much higher in Michigan, much higher. So this, there's, I didn't know they were all in Genesee County, though, but that makes sense to me. Well, just think about it. I ain't a doctor, but if one of the ways, one of the important ways to safeguard yourself is washing your hands. Right. And if but the water is contaminated. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. I just, I can't, this is, the whole thing is just so upsetting. So, all right. So oh, by I the wanna... way, the, by the way, the current mayor is corrupt too, but we'll oh, get to that God. another time. <laughs> yeah. like a parade of corruption. I, I want to, I want to end with what I, what I personally think is, the biggest bombshell of all and kudos to you guys for getting um, getting this source and, and working on this because this is amazing you've now secured audio a leaked audio of um rich bard who is is snyder's uh, i'm going to call him his henchman but i guess he's got a more official title in there but you've secured audio of him in some one of the residents living room or some or in the house of some sort where he's saying some of the most incredible things I have ever heard. It's so damning. I can't believe that this isn't splashed across the front page of the Washington Post. Um, so walk us through what all the things that are in that audio, um, who are the characters involved and and uh, why this the big part of this is why this isn't a making headlines everywhere and B not the final nail in the coffin on why Snyder isn't getting prosecuted. Do you want to start Jen? Uh, you go ahead. You start. So, you know, I think a lot of people watching could think about this broader than Flint. In a lot of cases when there's a really, really, really big thing going on, um, standing rock, let's say, the government or corporations will try to identify the, the leaders of the protest that are inspiring other people and eliminate them, arrest them or worse, right? So uh, in this case, there were town halls going on in Flint and in January of 2017, it was still kind of in national news then, uh, uh, you know, residents were pissed off. Their water's still contaminated. Right. They're not getting, they weren't getting Medicare for all. Uh, they were getting no real answers from state or city. Uh, or federal. So uh, uh, one of the residents, his name was Adam Murphy, just went went off, screaming, screaming, screaming. Uh, uh, he was having seizures. He was major cognitive loss, uh, would be driving uh, and had to pull over, call his wife at the time. I don't, I don't know where I am. I can't remember how to get home. So, you know, serious stuff. So he gets removed by a cop. Uh, the cop says maybe i could get you in touch with you know somebody in in the administration to help you and your family sounds sounds nice so far um a couple weeks later richard baird the governor's college roommate best friend he represents himself as is in adam and christina murphy's living room in flint his office we knew there was a problem with the water but all the all the answers we were given were we got it under control. We just have to treat it this way, or we do this thing, or we do that thing. 
and and it really wasn't until um, when when Mark Edwards and, and Dr. Mona were you know that publicity was there. That's when it was clear that the, the water's not just stinky and discolored. Mm -hmm. It was discolored when I drank it. You know, when I was seven years old, you had to let it run for, I don't know if you guys have lived in Flint all your life, but, you know, back you know back when, when I was a, a kid, my mom always said, you got to let the water run for a couple of minutes because it kind of came out orange. And, but, but then we realized that clearly, I mean, it's toxic. It's not, you know, it's not just bad water. With what seems like a miraculous offer. Uh, Adam and Christina had done the research and there's a holistic medical treatment called chelation. Um, it, it, ex it could extract lead from the body. You know, I don't endorse or go against, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but I can say uh, it did help Adam. His blood lead levels went dramatically down. His seizures went away. His cognitive functioning got a lot better. So Richard Baird uh, is there representing uh, that we're gonna, I'm gonna try to find the state try to find money within the state to, to pay for your treatment. We'll call it a quote unquote pilot program. Uh, the audio shows him saying, you know, right. I've noticed in government, you could get a lot of things done if you call it a pilot. Uh, so uh, it's going to be a pilot program. Um, and, you know, you're going to be our lead poster child. If it works for you, uh, we're going to make it available to your wife when she's done breastfeeding. Cause there was a newborn they had who, by the way, was born with lead in his blood. Um, uh, and, you know, really just playing up that the, they're going to be uh, heroes because I, I don't believe they knowingly thought they were getting paid off or anything. But Baird said, you know, the, the, the deal is you can't speak about this, can't go to the media, can't tell anyone the state paying for it, la, 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 you know. So I don't know. The guy's having seizures. His, his wife's starting to get sick. Their kid was born. I, I, I would take it, too. I mean, yeah, I don't blame them for taking Didn't he it. He also mentioned like he had... A chips at blue cross blue shield or, yeah 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 you know our director our our something our budget director just went to blue cross blue shield so maybe i can get them to do it anyway we we have texts and emails showing the, the health department the state health department was covering the treatment so if they're covering the treatment for this guy apparently they do have money to to actually make a pilot program consider that they could have just put i don't know 10 to 20 people on see how they're improving, and then maybe you go to the federal government if there's success, right? That's what a pilot program would be. So essentially, Adam and Christina started reporting to them, oh, you know, his seizures are getting better, this and that, and getting the runaround as far as making it available to other people. Uh, Adam and Christina's, you know, marriage went south. When, when they split up, they totally cut off communicating communication with Christina. So reneged on the promise to give her the treatment. Okay. And on tape, not only is, is he on tape making these, I'll throw in alleged payoffs. I mean, we have- Well, the, that's what it is, yeah. He's but, trying to silence them by saying, you get this, and then if it works, we're gonna make it part of the community, but they never had right. any intention, it seems, of doing that. No, no, no. And we found evidence that they were making separate, trying to make separate deals with other residents too. <laughs> Whoever was the loudest residents getting media attention, quoted in the media, uh, one in particular was all over New York Times, Washington Post. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at them. Okay. But what I think on that tape is actually potentially incriminating, not just for Baird, but for Governor Snyder. Yeah. Is he, as he says, and by the way, this guy represented himself in many meetings as I'm here representing Governor Snyder. Yeah, he said it. Yeah. So he says to them, you know, I know, I know you guys feel differently, but you have to believe us. We were told in the early days where there was a water problem that it was under control, 
that we could fix, that it could be fixed with treating things differently? Oh yeah. So was the magna cum laude Harvard graduate pleading with you right. six months, six right. months after oh to, to, to switch back to Detroit? Not saying it could be improved, saying this is urgent. It's in yeah, writing. Urgent. People are going to die. It's, this is the environmental uh, lawyer. So this guy knowingly silenced her. And at a certain point, I'm not a lawyer, but at a certain point, the governor has to be responsible for his top advisors. Let's say he didn't know. Well, these, these people work for you. They obviously are going on some guideline, guidance of, you know, and like we said, we found evidence that Snyder, his top advisors and the health department, importantly, the health department, were all in a lot of communication at this time in October, 2014. I don't think they were talking about the weather, Tina. No. So, were, so yeah. this guy is lying to this He's couple, lying. Pro provably lying, that every expert told us it could be made better. We went with what the experts told us. They were trying to cover it up because the governor was running for reelection. Maybe he wanted to run for president and poison water is not exactly good for your political future. And that is the story here. And by the way, you know, we don't have 10 hours, but it is, it was a Republican governor, but this happened under President Obama. He well, did yeah, not, I mean, he did, he did not declare a disaster. He did not declare, exactly. there's a difference between a federal disaster and a federal emergency. A federal emergency, uh, it's still under state control. A federal disaster declaration, you get the Army Corps in there, it opens up a lot more funding. They didn't declare a federal disaster because they said it wasn't um, a natural, um, it wasn't like a tornado or a hurricane. Well, that law needs to be looked at because yeah, yeah it was a man-made, disaster but i would say a lot of these hurricanes are mad made climate yeah. change you know so know uh obama honestly went to flint he sat you know took a sip of yeah. water said it was fine uh, it's not just Awful. flint i mean i went to east chicago indiana which has a lead ma massive lead problem it came out under obama it's not all the president's responsibility but the buck stops at the president the buck yeah. stops at the governor and the, the money that Congress passed for Flint, a lot of people say, oh, uh, Flint got $180 million from Congress. Yeah, it went through Rick Snyder. Yeah. You think Flint got that money? No. No, he probably used it to patch up some holes in his deficit. You know, that's, and you brought this up earlier, and this is a really important part of the conversation, Jordan, and I don't think most people realize this. The states have to maintain a balanced budget. They can't, like you said, they can't print money. They cannot run any sort of debt or a deficit they can't do it they have to have a balanced budget at the end of every year and that is why it's important that they needed to get that federal funding and regardless of what that law says i think obama could have made a different decision there he could have found the leeway to do the right thing right i just think there's so many levels of corruption and disregard for the poor folks in this country and it, it, it's both parties, it's the media, it's just, it's overwhelming to me that this is the place that we are at, and it's just absolute psychopathy on so many levels. <sighs> I completely agree. Of I completely course, agree. Yeah. And you know, honestly, at the end of it, when it's all said and done, the true horror of this, and I don't care if you're white, I don't care if you're black, I don't care if you're poor, I don't care if you're rich, I really just don't care. If you, through no fault of your own, something bad happens to you, right? And we're talking about same thing goes for coronavirus. Should you be left to die? No. <laughs> you know, Europe is not leaving its citizens to die. No. They are paying 80% or whatever. That's right. Of people's salaries.
because European countries, uh, they got their problems too. I guess government isn't as corrupt as ours. No, right? it's absolutely not. I mean, but all, right. the cultural is different. We are we are so foregone capitalists in this country. Like the political economy is kind of superseded our actual government structure at this point. Whereas other European nations, although they're capitalists, they do have social democracies sort of providing checks and balances to all of the nefarious parts of raw capitalism. We don't have any checks and balance because this they're 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 one and the same this country is deeply capitalist to its bones and it doesn't well, care if people live the, or die as long as a buck's made and it's something i disagree with you i disagree with you you disagree tell me why because we don't live in a country look at the flag we live in the united oh, corporate right. we live in the united corporations <laughs> of america i don't know right, if the i, I, I don't, agree with you jordan I'm i don't know if that. the audience can see the flag i know it's a podcast but i have a flag uh, behind me it's got all the corporation, the big wig corporations in place of the stars. You know, some people have been triggered by that, that have DM me nasty things. But yeah. um, we don't live in a country. And this is why I've even said, uh, and Jen, I mean, we talk about this. It doesn't even matter if it's Biden or Trump. No, I think Trump matter. is, I, you know, I think Trump on the margins is worth, but they're not even the ones making the decisions. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the corporations. It's the corporations, Trump, yeah. Trump, Trump, remember, Trump didn't take action on coronavirus, not just because he's an idiot, but because he didn't want to screw his corporate donors that were all telling them, right. the New York Times reported on this at least, okay. uh, you know, don't close things down. Don't, you know, they're making public health decisions based on, you know, on stock money. buybacks and whatever. So we don't live in a country anymore. It's been that way for a long time. I agree. And, and frankly, I agree. Uh, on a broader national scale, I, I want Tr Donald Trump to be defeated. But if we keep as progressives, if we keep this mentality of, well, we don't have a choice, got to go with Biden. Um, at a certain point, you're just stuck in the same system. Yeah. Over um, and over again. I mean, look, yeah. in the very least, you have to consider the fact that when this first happened and they were looking at various responses, the Democrats did not get behind emergency UBI. You had Schumer and Pelosi out there basically advocating that low interest loans, I mean, which is just... Psh, you're going to get folks that have now lost their jobs, also lost their medical coverage because they lost their job and it's attached, can't pay COBRA because it's too expensive. You're going to give them a loan? How? I mean, you're, of course Trump's going to come on your left flank and out left you. I mean, this is insane, but this is where we are. And it's, it's at some point, you're right, as progressives, we have to come to the realization that we're enabling a party that is not an opposition party they are part and parcel to the problem. Well, I got to tell you the truth, Tina, and it's very difficult, but part of the problem here is progressives. I mean, I should I not be- I don't disagree. <laughs> I should not be, and I won't go into every name because I don't want to completely sabotage uh, our company. <laughs> I shouldn't be begging people from The Intercept to cover this. I agree. I shouldn't, right. I mean, Young Turks, I you know, whatever, I was fired. It's, it's water under the bridge, but they- I, they know about this. Don't yeah. mention my name if you don't want to. I mean, Democracy Now! did like, I, I think, 20 seconds in a headline. Um, and didn't even get to the media stuff. Yeah, like Crystal had me on, uh, yeah. which I appreciate at Rising. Jimmy had me on. But, I mean, the nation is silent on this. Most progressive yeah, so media. Why do you think most progressive media uh, hosts. I'm surprised by the internet intercept in the nation. I would think that somebody there would be interested in this. Why? What do you think the reason is there? Because that doesn't make sense. I hear what you're I saying. Don't, I, I don't. Again, I don't think it's malicious, but I think that when even if you consider yourself progressive, 
I think most of these people are focused on the top line issues. Yeah. I mean, I won't name yeah. names, but there's some people making a whole lot of money yeah. that not 75% of the day they're tweeting. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and are quote unquote on our, on our side. If yeah. those people, if those you. people tweeted even one tweet about this story, as many tweets as they tweet about Russia right. or, or Chuck and Nancy are corrupt and this and that. I think they're so focused on the top level corruption of the Democratic Party, um, of the military industrial complex, all these things. And, and I'm not saying not to be. But you can do both. Yeah, but right. they don't seem to care as much right. about the corruption from, from, the, from the root of the tree. I, I why do you, disagree why, with that, actually. By the, and by the way, by the way, you want to know the, why the media is such a big part of this? If the majority of Michigan outlets aren't reporting on this, if the majority of national outlets aren't reporting on this, then how are Flint residents supposed to know who poisoned them, who covered it up? Journalism is my activism. So yeah, uh, 100%. people only become activists if they become, quote unquote, woke. Yep. So if Flint residents suspect it, but don't know, because I would tell you 70% of Flint hasn't read this story, even know it exists. That's a crime. Of that is a crime. Just, so, um, you know, it's, you. It's, it's frustrating. It is yeah, frustrating. Sure. And we're going to have to find a way to fix it. We just have to keep on keeping on with what we're doing. Um, stay in the trenches, right? I mean, you guys have done some amazing reporting in this area. And honestly, you've outreported every mainstream media source with 10 times the amount of money that you have so that's something to be um well proud of it if anything i mean i think it's it's good that you guys are willing to do that because that's a commitment i don't think people realize right it's a commitment it's a financial commitment it's a time commitment it's all of those things so you have to really care about what you're doing and have a passion for it um so thanks for coming on the show and talking with us about this i think it's really important breaking news and it's a shame that it's not all over the front pages but i'm going to put it on the front of my front page how's that <laughs> Thank you so much for having us on. It really means a lot. And it's, you know, it's all for Flint. These people yeah. are forgotten. There's, according to Gretchen Whitmer, Flint fatigue. So it's, we're going to keep trying. We're going to keep pushing. We're going to keep working 12, 14 hour days to make sure that Flint gets justice. And I'll say, um, in my view, I think one thing this election showed, particularly the primary, is nothing's going to change unless we can build up a, a very, very vibrant, collaborative, yeah. coordinated, organized, um, independent media structure. I agree. Uh, I'm not singling out anybody, but you know, when you have this current thing where 20 different people are going live at the same time, well, right. when, when there's so much content that's the same exact thing, um, and everybody's kind of on their own island in, in independent media and progressive media, rather than having like a CNN for yeah. progressive media, yeah. rather than having, you know, some would argue, well, that was the original purpose of the Young Turks. I have my own thoughts on that. But the bottom line is you have, I mean, imagine with Jimmy Dore's audience, again, not singling out anybody, but Jimmy Dore's audience or Kyle's audience, if you take that, this audience, that audience, smaller audiences, right. you put them all together, you have a schedule, it, it would be you, large, do, yeah. you do collaborations. There is actual human beings out there with a lot of money that could fund things like this. I agree. You know, if everybody's egos got out of the way, um, amazing things could happen and it could reach younger people, but it could also reach older people who are the, who are basically the people 
voting for people like Joe Biden. They're the people we need to reach the most, actually. And they're not getting our messages because they're only listening to, you know, cable news, et cetera. Well, they don't have another option. I mean, they don't know. We need to give them one. I agree with you. Jordan, it's something we need to work on. My father doesn't even know how to send an email. He's calling right. Jen to send. Jen, <laughs> yeah. my father, my father is telling you to send emails for him. Of right. the story. Yeah, I'm sending I emails for him. 100. percent I'm laughing because uh, my mom's exactly the same. <laughs> right. Or she's like, so. "How do you text?" Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, like I said, quick promo. Uh, this this work costs a lot of money. So if uh, we tried to keep it, you know, affordable for people, right. obviously with Corona, if you, if you don't have money to support us, we get it. But if you do. Uh, you could join us. We do some bonus behind the scenes. Yeah, where should they go, Jordan, to sign up to become a member? The website? Statuscoup.com okay. slash join. And uh, our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash statuscoup. C-O-U-P.